0: So good to see each and every one of you, to see the fellowship, and uh, we're excited about the message this morning, the worship was great, what powerful words to remind us of God's worthiness and God's glory, and it's really, truly good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Wasn't yesterday, weather-wise, a great day? Oh, man, that was great. So, Grady O'Dell, just want you to know, would you stand up? This is Justin's dad. Justin's doing an awesome job. Thank you for the way, the young man you raised. I just want you to know he is doing a great job. Uh, Part six in our sermon series, Simply Thankful. We've looked at being simply thankful for... The life of Jesus. Simply thankful for the teaching of Jesus. Simply thankful for the humility of Jesus. Simply thankful for the compassion of Jesus. Simply thankful for the submission of Jesus And this morning. Simply thankful for the glory of Jesus. In this series... Our whole purpose really is to look at the life of Christ in a unique way and say to ourselves through His Word, there are things that we're not grateful enough for. The attitude that we have as believers needs to be more joyous and rejoicing in those things that we have so many reasons. To be simply thankful for. God is a good God. God blesses his people in so many ways. And may it never be said of us over a prolonged period of time. That we're living lives as believers. Without having a deep, genuine, sincere, authentic, real attitude of gratitude. To our God. Because whenever one as a believer begins to find their mindset and their outlook is thankful for the small things in life as well as the bigger things in life, it begins to change how much you appreciate and value your Heavenly Father. It just does. From a baby's smile, to a good meal, to a warm rain, to a spring flower, or to a fellowship of God's people gathering on the first day of the week. So much to be simply thankful for. So much not to take for granted. It really does change how we feel inside About God. And I do think that's why the Scriptures tell us in so many different ways that we are to be people that are always rejoicing in the Lord. We're finding our great joy in the Lord. Last week, as we talked about the submission of Christ, where Jesus would say to the Father in the garden, Not my will, but yours be done. But Lord, if it's possible, because all things are possible with you, take this cup, this fiery trial that I'm going to drink, take it away from me. We realize that when Christ went to the cross, there was suffering. In fact, that's why Jeremiah the prophet calls and refers to the coming Messiah as the suffering servant. This is what the Hebrew writer says. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And I want you to really focus on this word glory because that's what we're referring to today as we are simply thankful for Jesus' glory. It's a Greek word, dogza, which simply means something that is spectacular something that is elevated, something that is inspiring. And when we see this text from the Hebrew writers referring to Jesus in bringing many sons and daughters to the glory, His glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author, Or pioneer, he was the leader, he he went before everyone else, should make the author of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. Because when Jesus suffered, he showed himself worthy to be God's high priest, our high priest here on earth, so that we as humanity would understand that this God in the flesh, this God with us, can relate to the pain and suffering that we experience in our lives. Now, all of us suffer in some way or have suffered. Whether it's the loss of someone that you love, the end of a marriage covenant, that is broken. There's so many different ways. People suffer. Health crisis issues. We suffer. We have pain. Jesus here. Suffered for us. To bring us to his. And his father's glory. And he. Wanted us to know. And he shows us by example. Which is true love. That he felt pain, and He can relate to anything that you're going through. Isn't that a remarkable God? Anything that you're going through, He can relate. And He was made perfect in the flesh through that suffering. Now, to sort of tee us up for the text today, I want you to look at a text in Colossians 2 that talks about Jesus. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Another way of saying that is, Jesus Christ is the dwelling place of God. God the Father dwells in the person... Of Jesus Christ. Here on earth. The word became flesh. He was face to face with God. He was God. And you start to see. The glory of God. The glory of Christ. The bringing many sons and daughters. To his glory through his suffering. On the cross. And this is the way that John puts it. John Uh, we have Philip asking Jesus a question. Show us the Father, Jesus. To which Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is simply saying, if you see me, you see the Father. So in Christ, we see the visible manifestation of God himself. If you want to know what God's like, we look at the person of Jesus Christ. And so today, this morning, I want us to go on a walk together and I want to show you something And I want us to see it together and look at the promise that it holds for us. I want us to go with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus up on a mountain. And I want you to see here, after six days, basically, Luke will say, around eight days. But the point is, the Jewish week is being referred to. Jesus has just made the statement some who are here will not die before they see the kingdom of God and its coming. After six days of saying that, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. Has anybody really ever climbed a high mountain? Just one or two? Anybody? Yeah, you know, so, you know, if you climb a high mountain, Maybe down in Tennessee, some of those mountains like Chimney Top, it gets pretty high, but you start to climb a mountain and uh, get your heart rate going. You start to think, you know, this isn't going to be so easy. It's, it's a little difficult, and uh, you start to sweat. All of that goes and is involved, but Jesus takes with him what many have referred to as the inner circle of the disciples. I don't know, you know why that would be, but he chose specifically Peter. James and John. And I just want you to picture them going up that high, high mountain and the effort and the exertion that it would take and we're there with them. And then the text says when they get on that mountaintop, Jesus is transfigured. And the word transfigured means changed. Uh, It's about his visible appearance. It it changes and it's done right for them and it says his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Luke puts it this way in chapter 9 verse 29. The appearance of Jesus' face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. So you, you get That this transfiguration that Peter, James, and John are witnessing on this high mountaintop is something very unusual. You see, Peter, James, and John, they have seen Jesus in bodily form, they've seen him teach with authority. They've seen him walk on water. They've experienced the miraculous catch of fish. They've even experienced him raising Lazarus from the dead. They've seen about everything that you could see about the man Jesus in the bodily form. They've heard his claims. I and the Father are one. And it appears that now through this experience... Jesus is revealing another part of who he is in a way that they could not know unless they saw it. And Matthew and Luke bring us there to experience it as well. Jesus is seeing the way that he has always been with his Father in absolute, Glory in pure light in energy, described as a flash of lightning or white as the sun. His clothes, he's just brilliant. Just wonder at that moment what were Peter, James, and John thinking? Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. It's not enough that Jesus is transfigured and how shocking that must have been. And we learned that the disciples, they have been up a lot lately and they're tired at this point. And now they see Moses and Elijah. Now, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Some ask. You'll have to ask God on the other side. But I'm sure that uh, God let them know or some of the stuff that we read in John that if we recorded every word Jesus said, I'm just certain that The whole world couldn't contain all the books of what he did. Some of that's there. It must not be important, and so we don't have that. But what we do see is Moses and Elijah appear suddenly with Jesus as Jesus is transfigured. And they're talking with Jesus. And that's really important for us to see, and we'll bring that out in a little bit. This is what Luke says as he shares his story and insights and details. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. And then he adds, they spoke about his departure. Now, there's two things here that we're going to come back to. But I I want you to see that Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. They're talking with him, but how do they appear with Jesus? In glorious splendor. And they spoke about his departure. A really unique word, the Greek word for departure here, is the word Exodus. And here you have Moses and Elijah. The lawgiver and the greatest prophet together with Jesus on this high mountaintop transfigured and little old Peter, James, and John. So first, the word departure, Exodus. You know, why was it Moses and Elijah? You know, those are just questions. We don't have to absolutely answer them but they're just questions you like why Moses and Elijah well Moses led an exodus right he led the people on an exodus out of Egyptian bondage 430 years God's people had been in bondage God used Moses to lead the people on a departure an exodus Out of Egypt. The Bible tells us that Moses died as he summited Mount Nebo. He was 120 years old, still had his strength, but he died and God buried him. And to this day, no one knows where his gravesite is. He died. Now, when you look at Elijah, he had a very unique exodus or departure from this world. Elijah didn't die. Elijah was taken up into the heavens by what is called a fiery chariot and horses in a whirlwind. And our natural assumption, which may be wrong, is that because Scripture teaches us that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, that Elijah was translated or changed and given his heavenly body. But the main thing to see is that both this lawgiver and this prophet One died a natural death. The other didn't. And maybe the possibility is that Moses sort of represents those who die and later will receive their glorious body. And Elijah represents those that are still alive and are caught up at the second coming of Christ in the air, which I think that's pretty interesting. But we have to begin to ask ourselves, what is the point of the transfiguration for Jesus, for these three disciples, and then believers, all believers, you and I? I think, first of all, because Jesus suffered, Lord, take this cup from me, Set as though it was drops of blood, we begin to see the physical side of Jesus Christ, that he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also fully man. And I think Moses and Elijah were there talking to him definitely about his departure and possibly about their own personal experience, giving him encouragement And even comfort. Someone says, Surely Jesus didn't need encouragement and comfort. Listen. He was in the garden praying, Take this cup from me and sweating drops of blood. And angels came and attended him. And the text says, And strengthened him. I believe that a lot of this is, is just for Jesus and what he's getting ready to face. Because He's going to leave this mountaintop experience, go down the mountain, enter in Jerusalem, and He's going to die, just like He's been telling the disciples. But I think it's also for His disciples there. He's told them later, don't tell anybody what has happened until after I resurrect from the grave. You keep this to yourself for that time and then you can tell everyone but as a disciple and what they would soon face and what they would go through and what they would experience and then when Jesus would be crucified and yes even resurrected and ascend to heaven They had to stay behind and they had to live life and they had to be faithful to God. And I just believe clearly that this mountaintop experience seeing Jesus for who he really is had to give them great comfort and great strength for everything that they would face. so excited is peter now luke tells us peter you know how he's always talking and saying things that just aren't right in the right time he does it sort of again here because luke says he said this but he didn't know what he was saying peter said to jesus lord it is good for us to be here if you wish i will put up three shelters one for you one for moses and one for elijah Because Elijah and Moses are starting to leave. And Peter doesn't want them to leave. This is great. You know, we all have those wonderful moments and times, those mountaintop experiences like this. Some of them are worldly. But some of them definitely very spiritual. And you just wish you could live in that time forever, right? Lord, this is such a wonderful time or season in my life. Can't we just stay here? Wouldn't it be nice to stay in this moment? Your glory, their glory. This is spectacular. But the reality for you and I and the disciples This glory that's revealed is only revealed momentarily. It's only a glimpse of the glory. And it's serving its purpose, but it's not meant to last forever. And they're not meant to stay on that mountain peak, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah forever. And it's true for us. Enjoy the mountaintop experiences in your life, especially the ones that you have with the Lord. But know in this world they are fleeting and they pass by, but they are moving you into a direction and an ultimate eternity with the Lord. But what is here in this life is temporary and will pass. Now look at Matthew here, while he was still speaking, and this is God, a bright cloud covered them. Who covered them? Covered Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? Well, yes, but is that all? No. A voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And one more thing before I get Peter, James, and John inside this cloud. Why was God telling these three disciples to listen to Jesus? And I think the important message is, is no matter how important Moses was, and he was, and no matter how great Elijah was as a prophet, he was great. But there's a change that's taking place, and God is putting it into the hearts and the minds of These disciples, you listen to my son. Oh, listen to Moses. Listen to Elijah. But Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Elijah. You listen to my son. So how do we know that Peter, James, and John was in that cloud? Luke tells us this way. While God was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Why were they afraid? Because whenever the visible manifestation of God's presence takes place, it strikes fear because it's so holy an angel of God cannot even appear before the people of God without them dropping to their knees in fear this word here is a a word that Jews use Uh, it's Shekinah Uh, it's uh, a word that refers to the dwelling place or the settling or the resting of God with man And you'll often hear the Shekinah glory. This word is what we see whenever we see the departure of Moses out of Egypt in that exodus where the cloud leads the people by day. And the fiery pillar guides them by night. And when the Egyptian army change their mind, and go in pursuit of God's people at the Red Sea, that cloud moves to the rear, separates the two, God protecting his people. That is the Shekinah glory. You see it more clearly even when Moses ascends Mount Sinai, With the 70 elders. And there he is. And only he can approach God. And that cloud. Comes down over Mount Sinai. And God gives the commandments. On stone. To Moses. It is the Shekinah glory. Representing God's mighty presence. Glory. Over and in. This world. That is what Peter, James, and John were experiencing. Remember when Moses came out of the presence of God, it said his face was glowing? Just from being in the presence of God, his face was glowing. And as he was coming down the mountain, he covered it with a veil because as it was fading, he didn't want Israel to see it fade. Glory of God! The glory of Jesus Christ. What is the message of the transfiguration for you and I and believers? And I think... We're going to share the heart of it in just a moment. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Moses and Elijah is gone. As they were coming down the mountain, it's time to go back to the purest form of reality in everyday life for them. He says, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, said Jesus, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And then just for clarification purposes... Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So those last three or, or four slides are just referring to, you know, Elijah's supposed to come back before this and that, and Jesus says, Elijah came back in the spiritual sense through John the Baptist. But what does the transfiguration mean to us? And that's what I want to do drill and hammer home where we leave today because it's exciting and it's something that we can be simply thankful for. I believe the transfiguration is for us for this reason. It is to remind us that Moses and Elijah the disciples knew of Moses around 1500 BCE. Elijah around 800 BCE one died other caught up in a whirlwind what happened to him what happened to them? where are they now? The transfiguration reminds us, That they're not dead, but gloriously alive. Remember, all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear what? In glorious splendor. The point for us is this. When we leave this life, we enter the presence of God. We're not going to be dead. We're going to be gloriously alive. We're just not going to be here on earth. So Moses, over 1,500 years from that time, he died, he was buried, we don't know where he... There he is! In glorious, radiant splendor, just like that of Christ. And there's Elijah, oh, radiant, glorious splendor, just like Christ. And here's the God that's speaking to us in his glorious Shekinah cloud. And we are enveloped in it, and we hear the voice, just like they heard the voice on Mount Sinai. One of these days, when you're laying on your deathbed, Or you're in the automobile accident and you know your life is about to pass from this world. Remember in that moment the transfiguration. Remember that this world is not the world that we are to stay in. It is a temporary place. What we are looking forward to is our spiritual, heavenly, glorious body. Don't go to a funeral, unless it's the funeral of an unbeliever, without hope, without some joy, without some excitement, because they're not dead. Jesus' words, because I live, so shall you live also are true it was true for Moses it was true for Elijah and it is true for each and every believer that dies in the Lord and you see why it's so important to be living by faith when you die that's what I believe the purpose of the transfiguration is for us John One of the disciples that was on the mountaintop, that was a part of all this, this is how he puts it in his words. Dear friends, now we are children of God. If you go back and look at verse 1, John is just all over this idea that I've got to really hammer down that we really truly are God's children. And so verse 2, dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. In its entirety. But we know that when Christ appears, the second coming, what? We shall be like him. We shall be like him. So I can grieve my dad. And I can grieve my mom, but I'm just telling you, the grief only goes so far down because of this. Because of the glory of God. Because God willing to share His glory with us. There's a lot of things worse than death. There is to die without hope, to die without a Savior, to die lost, to die doomed. So be of good cheer. The Lord has overcome this world, and He, through the cross, with outstretched arms, is willing to share His glory with you. And whatever happens in your life, if you get the diagnosis or the disease, It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. And there's going to be suffering. But we shall be like Him. This life is temporary. It's short even at its longest. So today, in part six of Simply Thankful, I am and I hope you are Simply Thankful for Jesus' glory because He shares it with those that will receive and believe in Him. Amen? Yes. To God be the glory. Great things He has done for His people. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we love You so much. You are such a wonderful God that shares every spiritual blessing in in through your Son in the heavenly realms. And today, we focus on your glory and we give you thanks for sharing it with us. Lord, be with us as we live a life off of that mountaintop and live in this world. Let the lessons to the disciples and your lessons to us the lesson of the transfiguration, just steady us, Lord. Steady us as we walk in faith, knowing that a time will come when we will be changed also to be like Jesus. And it's in His magnificent name that we pray. Together we say, Amen. Let us stand and sing. prayer teams are around the room. Whatever prayer requests, prayer need needs. Let's go to the Father. But now let's just sing and worship.
1: I praise, amen,